I'd like to read a verse or chapter over all of you this morning. It wasn't in my notes, but as we were worshiping and as Olivia sang, he's good. I want to read God's word over your life. What I'd like you to do is you can close your eyes and you can literally just rest. Just rest. And as I read these words over you, let your spirit, and you say, what's that? Let, let that innermost being, just, just let it rest in God. And this is what Jesus has done for you and me. And if you fall asleep as I read it, that's okay. Let his spirit just minister to you this morning. Psalms 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And forget none of his benefits. Who pardons all your iniquities. Who heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from the pit. And who crowns you with loving kindness and compassion. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name, who satisfies your years with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. The Lord performs righteous deeds and judgments for all who are oppressed. He made his ways known to Moses, his acts to the sons of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness. He won't always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. He hasn't dealt with us according to our sins nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his loving kindness towards you who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed your transgressions from you. And just as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on his children, those who fear him. For he himself knows our frame, and he's mindful that we are but dust. As for you and I, our days are like grass. 
as a flower of the field, so it flourishes. When the wind has passed over, it's no more. And its place acknowledges it no longer. But the loving kindness of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him. And his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember his precepts and they do them. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his sovereignty rules over all. Bless the Lord, you his angels, mighty in strength, who perform his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all you hosts, his hosts. You will serve him doing his will. Bless the Lord, all you works of his in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. Mm. Bless the Lord, you his angels, mighty in strength, who perform his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all of us who serve him and do his will. Bless the Lord, all of us who are his works in the places of his rule and his dominion. Bless the Lord. Lord, I just ask for a blanket to come. And I ask for your angels to perform your word, to obey your word, and to cover and to protect and to, to just administer your word over your children today. Hallelujah. Mm. I asked you to sit. I'm going to ask if you'd like a touch from God. I know this is completely different than how we usually structure a service, but this is a holy moment right now. If you need a touch from God, I don't care if it's a physical healing or a stress that you're facing or you're just not at peace, something bothering you. If you need a touch from God, I'm going to ask you to stand right now. And I'm just going to ask the Holy Spirit to come. If you need a touch from God, just stand right now. If you want to stand in proxy for a loved one, you can stand for a loved one this morning. If you're, you're craving a touch from God, if you're craving 
to hear his voice, if you're craving just to be with him, I want to encourage you just to stand. And I'm just, I'm just asking God, this is not something I'm doing. This is, I'm just asking God to come, the power of God to come and literally touch you so that you would feel that you would actually recognize a touch from God. A number of weeks ago, one of the first Sundays back, I remember standing and worshiping. And I was hurt, broken, emotional. And I remember standing there and I literally felt a strength come inside of me and on me that I hadn't felt too many other times. I'm not even sure if I'd felt it like that before. And it was just in a time of worship before him. So I, we don't need music. We don't need tons of stuff. We just need his presence. We just need God. The Holy Spirit, come right now and touch. Touch. Touch everyone on this side, oh God. I release your power, oh God. Touch everyone this morning. Lord, those in the center, Holy Spirit, come. Just pour out your spirit. Those that might be watching online, God, I ask for you to touch you. There is no barriers with you. Just come. Lord, and for those on this side, a physical, tangible touch from you. Thank you, Jesus. And you may be seated. Hmm. Hmm. Hallelujah. Well, it's good to be back. I was not going to shave my mask portion of my face this morning because I haven't had to shave it for like 14 months. But I figured, no, I, I better look presentable. You might be looking at me funny this morning. But I was seriously considering having some, some fun with that. But good to see you this morning. Who here is happy to be with one another in God's house? He's a good God. Amen. He's a good God. Um, I'm not sure I'm going to get to my sermon this morning, but um, that passage, I, I, I asked you to stand if you wanted to feel a touch from God and 
And sometimes we actually downplay feelings because feelings don't govern me. I am bound and determined and my mind is made up. But I've, I've found in the last uh, little while that feelings are real. I don't live according to my feelings, but I do have feelings. And I've felt good and I've felt sad. But I, I want to encourage you um, sometimes in, in, in a charismatic circles, we go, whoa, don't, don't express your feelings. Control your feelings. And, and I understand that, but at the same time, it's okay to feel a touch from God. In fact, Jesus, when he touched some people, they actually felt at that moment a change. Some of it was physical. He'd go to them. He'd say, can you, he said, what do you want? And they'd say, well, we can't see. He touched them, and what happened is they, their feeling, they actually got to see, and it changed how they felt. It changed, and they actually had a tangible touch from God. Lepers. He, he healed them, and he says, now go show yourself. So sometimes when God touches us, you might actually feel a literal change inside of you. That's God. That's God. I want to, this passage of scripture, um, I have been, meditating on Jesus a lot lately. I have found that it's the message of Jesus that the world needs, not the message of some good ideas. People don't need to learn some of these things, and it's not that they don't need to learn them, but what they need is they need a touch of Jesus. And we have all this philosophy, psychology, psycho stuff, and physiological stuff, and there's practical aspects to it, but what we've done is we've built that up and we've shoved Jesus out of the picture. And we've said, practice this. Love yourself. Do what you feel inside. And we've elevated ourselves instead of elevating Jesus. Jesus is the answer. It's not just a song. He is the answer. In Acts chapter 2, when Peter shared with the people, they had this amazing outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the day of Pentecost. And if you read that sermon that he preached to them, it was an evangelistic sermon, and what he was talking about was Jesus. And he confronted the people that just 
a couple months earlier had crucified Jesus and he had a boldness inside of him and he spoke of the power of Jesus and his resurrection life. It was a life that none of them had experienced before, but it was a resurrection life. It is a life that causes dead things to come alive. And I am convinced that if we would put Jesus, put Jesus on the pinnacle and say he is the answer, we would see more people turn and recognize it than if we just say, oh, try this, do these three things, try this four things, eat this, exercise this. No, first and foremost, put Jesus in the center of your life. He is the most important person in the world. And I and you know him personally. Can I share a little thought with you? You can talk to him just like you talk to a friend. You could talk to him just like you talk to somebody you don't like. It's not that you don't like him, but he's not surprised by how you talk to him. This is something I've learned in the last few months since Winona's passing. I found that I could talk to her sometimes easier than I could talk to God. And it changed the way I prayed. Just talk to him. Just talk. Don't have to have a bunch of Christianese. Oh, Jesus most holy, Savior of the world. Just say, I had a rough day. This person's driving me crazy. I am frustrated. You might even use other words. He's not surprised and he's not afraid of the words or the language that you speak. And what I have found as I've done that is I have found a closeness and a love for him that I thought I had it figured out a few months ago and it's like I'm getting a... I just... I am so thankful for Jesus. Do you know what he did? He heals all my diseases. That's what he does. He took my life from the pit of destruction. I couldn't do myself any good if I tried. And what does he do? He comes and he redeems it. He pays for it. And he says, that person is worth it. And he redeemed my life from the pit of destruction, despair, and a mess. All the self-help didn't help. But the Jesus help did. I'm not saying you don't exercise. I'm not saying you don't learn these things. But where is Jesus in all of this? 
He said, if I be lifted up, I will push all men. No, he says, I will draw all men to myself. I might be preaching to myself today. He performs good, right deeds and judgments for all who are oppressed. Who here has ever felt oppressed? And that probably was this last week. I'm not saying you're depressed, but have you ever felt pressure? And have you ever said, oh, if you've said, oh, and you felt pressure, then you've oppressed. Have you ever felt overwhelmed with what's happening around you because you don't seem to have the answer? It says here, he performs righteous, good, right deeds and judgments for all who experience that oppression, that feeling, I can't figure this out. He performs righteous deeds. Either you believe what he says or you don't. There's 168 hours in the week. And I find usually this one hour that we spend here, and then the moment I get on the road, I'm already thinking about what I'm having for lunch. Sometimes I don't even get out of the driveway. It's like, get out of my way. How quickly we forget Jesus. And yet, he is the most important person in the world. I started an exercise regime four months ago, beginning of March, every morning, four mornings a week. My two beautiful daughters decided to torture their dad. <laughs> Wake him up at 6.30 and we did boot camp for a half an hour. And you know what? I felt better. And then I went for a walk, and for the last four months, I've been walking every morning. I've walked hundreds of miles. That song, If I Could Walk 1,000 Miles or a Million Miles, I, I'm almost there. But all of that doesn't mean anything if I don't have Jesus. And I've found that he is good. I have found when I'm bad, he is still good. Listen to this. He pardons all your iniquities. Anybody here ever make an iniquity? You say, well, that sounds, that's a holy, that's a, like an Old Testament word. Anybody here ever done wrong? Oh, come on, there's about six honest people here. It says he pardons. A pardon is something that is erased permanently. Husbands and wives, I don't think we pardon each other. I think what we do is we just hold it so when I need to use it again later, I've got it to hold. Jesus doesn't do that. He doesn't have a little book of memory. He says, no, I pardoned you. 
Have you ever gone somewhere and people remind you of what you've done? Jesus doesn't do that. Not only Satan, sometimes even friends do that. But Jesus doesn't. Have you ever had an argument with someone? And you're losing the argument? So you figure, <laughs> I got to write this ship. I'm going to bring up something from their past. Because I want them to be quiet. I know none of you have ever done that, but I've done that. What can I do? What can I say to take it off of me and put it back on them? Jesus doesn't do that. He's good. He crowns you. I've wanted to crown people, but not with loving kindness and compassion. This is what you and I have as brothers and sisters of Jesus because he is our big brother. And we are in the family of God. And it says that he crowns your life with loving kindness. He doesn't say he crowns you with at after you die. He says he crowns your life that is now. That is today. That is something that you have with you now. It's not something you put on. It's something he put on you. And he doesn't take those things off. I'm feeling better preaching this morning. Is anybody hearing the goodness of Jesus this morning? He satisfies your years with terrible, bad things. No, it says he satisfies your years with good things. I would like good things. One of the things I want, I don't know if I'm going to do it, but to me it's kind of a good thing. And my kids have already said, Dad, are you sure? But you know one of the things I'd like is one of those Can-Am three-wheeled motorbikes. It's a tricycle. Yeah, but I don't pedal. To me, that would be a good thing. I mean, I'd have a helmet, but my hair would be blowing in the breeze. I might have to get some fake tattoos so when people look at me, they get scared because now I'm on a bike. Well, I'm on a trike, but I'm, you know, I'm, I'm like, I've, I've moved up into the pecking order. Jesus doesn't hold those good things back from you. Anybody here have something good they'd like? You might be afraid to put your hand up, but you know what? He satisfies your years with good things. I'd like to challenge you. Write down something that you'd like. And you say, oh, well, bless me, God. No, it's not a bless me, God. It's that he satisfies my years with good things. Believe you me, I would rather have a good thing than a bad thing. 
That was a place for an amen. And you are allowed to amen these days. He's compassionate and gracious. Slow, oh man, slow to anger. He doesn't seem to have road rage. I know none of you have road rage. But that's probably the one place that I, oh my goodness, where did you get your driver's license? Where, like, oh Lord, help me. How old are you? Do you know that you can go 100 kilometers and then get out of my way? He says, He's slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness. This is Jesus and the benefit he has for you. Brad, his loving kindness to you abounds. It's not just a one-time thing. It's an over-the-top thing. He'll not always strive with, he doesn't keep his anger forever. Oh my goodness, isn't that good? Isn't that so good? Has, have you ever kept your anger forever? Let me use it in vernacular that we would understand. Don't you ever come around here again and I'm never going to forgive you for what you did. I've talked to people who hold on to things for 25, 30, 35, 40 years, and they haven't talked to a sibling or they haven't talked to a relative because of some silly little thing 25, 30, 35, 40 years ago. And God says, you know what? I'm not like that. I'm not always going to have my anger. Here's a word of the Lord. Get your pens out. Get over it. I got a couple amens. He has not dealt with us according to what we've done, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. This is the benefits of Jesus. And this message that I'm preaching to you right now is a message and words that you can share with somebody who doesn't know him yet. I think the greatest evangelistic message we have is the message of Jesus. And in Acts chapter 2, which was I, I was supposed to preach on this morning, G Peter shares about Jesus and he refers to him about five or six or seven times in different ways. Sometimes he uses Christ, sometimes he says the prince, sometimes he talks about Jesus, but he refers to him and at the end they say, what must we do? The message of Jesus is the most powerful message you have. And for the last five months, we've been talking about the power of God.
And we're going to have a couple more Sundays with the power of God. But I want to challenge you to understand or to pray or to ask God to give you a picture of the power of God. The power of God, it says the message of the cross is the power of God. And the message of the cross is the life and the sacrifice of Jesus. So the sacrifice of Jesus and the fulfillment, the payment of everything is the message of the cross, which is the power of God. So the life of Jesus, the power of Jesus, his ultimate sacrifice, his pay for everything you've done. If you don't know what he's done, read Psalm 103. Read the Gospels and see miracle after miracle after miracle. I am desperately asking God for his power to be released. And he says to me, David, you want the power to be released, then talk about me. The what the world needs now is not what the world needs now is love, sweet love. No, what the world needs now is Jesus, sweet Jesus. And that comes not from some up there. That comes from here. Don't wait for God to do some like, oh, Jesus, would you do do this? No, he said, you do it. Acts 1.8. They said, are are you coming to restore? And he says, no, it's not for you to know the times and season, but you will receive power and you will be my witnesses. Your neighborhood needs the power of God. Your next door neighbor needs the power of God. My next door neighbor, I constantly go over there And I share the good news of Jesus with Pastor Daniel and Pastor Brenda. Your neighbor needs the power of God. It is the message of Jesus. Jesus is the power of God in the flesh who lived a sinless life, who came to redeem you and me so that we could have eternity in heaven with him. And not go to hell, the lake of fire, eternal separation. But to go to see him in heaven, to be with him, and to reign with him forever. That's a good starting point. Another good starting point is just having compassion for your neighbor. Having love for them. You don't have to stand on top of your orange crate box and preach to them. Sometimes the best preaching you can do is just loving them and helping them and not judging them. And getting to the point where you either irritate them because you're so loving on them or they go, what do you have because nobody else does this and you don't even know me as good as my brother and my sister and yet you do this for me. His name is Jesus. Well, that was the most unorthodox sermon I've preached in a long while. Power of God is the message of Jesus. And if you want to see the power of God released in your neighborhood, and if there isn't a time that we need it, it's now. 
Amen. Can we pray? We're going to anyways. I'd like to just pray this benediction over you. And when I pray it, it says that I, as a priest, invoke his name on you. So what I'm actually doing when I say this, and this is actually fulfilled in Jesus, so this is what you already have. But what I'm doing is I'm just reminding your mind that when Jesus looks at you, when God looks at you, this is what he sees. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. And when David does this, and he invokes my name on the children of Israel or the people in his congregation, I then will bless them. Be blessed this week. God bless you. Um, it's great to see you. As we exit today, um, you are allowed to shake hands and hug. But I also would ask that you be respectful of each other. So if somebody's not comfortable with that, that's fine. These are interesting days, but you are allowed to hug. You are allowed to shake a hand. You are allowed to let them know. Just don't spray in front of their face and everything else. Oh, come on. That was funny. God bless you. Have an amazing week. <laughs>